G'day, George. This is another episode of Float Your Boat, and George has just arrived. He's a busy man. How are you, George? That was loud. You almost blew my eardrums out. How are you, Brett? I'm good. Yourself? Very well. And um, need I say, I'm excited to be back, Brett. I'm excited. I am excited. So it's been a long time. Where have you been? I've been everywhere, man. (laughs) You've been in jail. I've, I've missed you. You know, I got in the car this morning, I put it in, re- in reverse, and I thought to myself, this takes me back. <laughs> yes, yes. It's been a while. COVID uh, has, has disrupted our lives, but it's also created new patterns. You've been staying at home. I've been staying at home. That's right. Watching That's- the, uh, the election in the US of A. Well, that was the most interesting thing lately on TV. I think I've gone through every um, interesting uh, series on Netflix and Stan, and uh, the U.S. election was like a comedy show. It was. It was like a, well, it was actually like a three-ring circus. It was fantastic. Actually, but, actually, that reminds me of a good dad joke. I bet. Did it come from your dad? It didn't come from my dad, actually, but it, it did, you know, it reminded me of Donald Trump. What do Mexicans eat when it's cold? Burritos. <laughs> bomb, bomb. Let's build that wall now. Yes, yes. Well, I, I, this new bloke, he's obviously going to be tearing down the wall. Uh, I loved his, his first speech, which was uh, very conciliatory. I thought it was very good, and I, thought, uh, I instantly thought of one of our interviews that we did with um, Speakola. I'm sure it'll be on the Speakola website already. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder. That, that, um, yes, we should... Um, Give him a call, shouldn't we? We should give him a call at some point. But let's get on with the show because uh, our guest will be here in a few minutes. Today, okay, so who, do we, who do we have on today, Brett? Today we have Dean Menzel. Yes, well, look, a bit, Dean, before we go there, Dean, uh, I did fail to mention, as we discussed before we went on air, we were going to do a shout out to all our listeners to rate and review us. If you love us, rate and review us, please. Uh, we still can't understand how things were, uh, you know, are rated on in the podcasting world because there are, there are new and noteworthy podcasts emerging with absolutely no reviews, no followers, no downloads, and yet they're in the top 10. And we've been around for how long, Brett? Three years now. Three years, how many episodes? We're coming up to 100. We'll, we'll, yes. we'll crack the 100 soon. And, um, yes, and we have tens of thousands of listeners. And yet, and, yet and, we're, yet? and yet we never get it. We never rate a mention with iTunes. Is that because we're old, fat, middle-aged guys or something, do you think? I think we're not relevant. Relevant. Well, I mean, we're catering to a dying breed, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so oh. listeners, don't forget, when you get on your app, probably an iPhone app, um, it would it'll bring up, uh, you'll see it, there's a little star rating, and you just click on the stars where it says five stars, and then you review us, and then you write a nice review. Oh, our guest's here, George. Talk about five stars. She's five and a half. She's five and a half stars. (laughs) I was going to say, that's a nice way to start an interview. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Good to see you, Denise. Oh, yeah, it's Dean. It's Dean. Dean. Yeah, I've got a pesky fly in here today that's going to bug me, so. <laughs> You've got a pesky fly. I've got a pesky George. <laughs> and he always bugs me. Oh, is there a spray for that? Okay. okay, so little story. I was on the train the other day alone in a carriage. This carriage is a mile long either way, and I'm sitting in the middle, and there was this one bloody fly that wanted to stick to my hair. <laughs> And I thought, you covered in honey or something. No, I actually thought I must have shit in my hair. (laughs) Oh, George. Yeah, there you go. First politically incorrect statement of the day. First inappropriate statement of the day. Well, why would it want to stick to my hair? (laughs) It had a choice of several windows, it had a choice to go either way, but it just wanted me. Time. Yeah, yeah, time flies like fruit flies. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there's a meme or a gif that could go with that too. Oh, <laughs> Brett, Brett, Brett knows them all. Brett knows them all. <laughs> so um, let's just, uh, I'll, I'll just for the listeners out there, we've already recorded an interview with, with Dean. That's but, why we know her so well. But we've, yeah, we're like family now, aren't we? We are, but, we've, but um, for some reason the file on our little microchip 
was corrupted and when I plugged it into edit the episode mm. it it just wouldn't let me do it it just I was going to say it's not the coronavirus is it <laughs> that got no, into your computer no, it's, <laughs> no, it's possible it's, it's the microchip into, virus <laughs> well it's 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 getting into the sewers it's going everywhere it may as well be in in the chip um and and by the way lovely virtual background there uh, uh Dean um you know uh, it looks like a music studio and it sort of does. And, and it looks like you've won an award. Is that right? Or did you engineer that? Did you go to the local printer and just have that whipped up? Oh, I like to do that every so often, just put some, some well, little things well, in my the wife extra, extra. <laughs> My wife used to do that. She used to do that for a living. And when she worked for a big magazine company, they'd make up these mock uh, front covers to magazines where all the employees in the company won ma- uh, like amazing awards. Oh, and, they look really cool, don't they, when you can they, do that? They look real. <laughs> They do. That one's actually from the uh, from the Wyndham Business Awards. We won that one last year. So mm. I just like to sort of like, you know, remind myself that there's still good things in the world. <laughs> that can <happen>. right. <laughs> so, so, Dean, tell, tell us, since we last spoke to you, what have you been up to? Well, I've had a, quite an eventful um, October and uh, we launched our Brand Jam. I don't know if we spoke about it last time when we did the podcast last time, but um, Brand Jam is like a music collaboration, sort of like a team building um, thing that we do with organisations. And it was quite a fun event to bring 150 people from uh, all over Australia and Auckland and Singapore and a few other countries as well. It was part of a, um, an organisation called Rockwell Automation and they had a conference, their sales conference, uh, where they were bringing everybody to, I suppose, virtually to Hawaii and um, and we uh, facilitated the team building there for them. So we launched that through our Brand Jam uh, team building uh, um, last month virtually and got all these people on Zoom. They dressed up, brought their guitars and xylophones and keyboards and all sorts of things into work or work from home. And um, and we did a song called Ehui Punei, which we wrote for their for their event. So what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Well, I don't know, I use Google Translate, but um, for us, it, it, we sort of like loosely translated it to bringing all together, which was their slogan for the conference. So, um, you know, we like to try tie things into to people's events. Sorry, um, which language was that? That was Hawaiian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Were they big people? They were, they were all sorts of people. <laughs> who was the guy? Who was the guy? Who was the guy? You you probably know this fellow, right? He was a huge lad. He had problems with his weight, and he Ricky died. Ricky No, 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 no. no he sang. He sang. Uh, he, he sang that lovely remake of um, Over the Rainbow. That's it. That's yeah. it with a little ukulele. Now, a word from our sponsors. Hi, it's Gino from Bondi Broker. In today's changing times, the importance of health and financial security has never been more important. At Bondi Broker, we work with you to improve your financial security by offering free financial health checks, assisting in reducing your debt, and gain competitive rates to improve your cash flow. Bondi Broker gets you in the best financial health so you can focus on what matters most. Visit our website today for your free consultation at bondibroker.com.au beautiful voice and a beautiful man yeah well look I, I think um I did a, a like a bit of a survey uh because I, I do that in my community and like we we did a survey of covers you know that are better than the originals and his was one of the versions that a lot of people just fell in love with you know I think you know just for who he was but also yes. you know that 
that beautiful version. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, he's left a beautiful legacy on that song, yes. I think. It's unfortunate that McDonald's came to town and, um, you know, it wasn't good, right, for a lot of them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> he's on, he's, Did I say that? started now. Ding. So, Number two politically that, incorrect statement. Um, so push look, on, Brett, push so, on. So, Dean, let's go back because because we haven't edited your episode, we're starting it fresh. Mm-hmm. Tell us yeah. where you were born and where you grew up. Give us a little bit of, you know, a five-minute abridged version of your life. Okay. Well, look, I, I'm a dandenong chick, so as Dandy. my husband call me a bit of a rat bag so I come from uh, the <laughs> well, back then back then you would have been a rat bag because only rat bags live there <laughs> I know I know we had we had everything in Danny Nong um but yeah that's where I grew up and uh and in 19 oh should I say <laughs> yeah that's all right we're older than you anyway okay I'm gonna say it and let's see 1975 mm, um, oh yeah we're way older <laughs> oh okay all right yeah. lucky save there um so yeah and uh you know it was the days of you know, it was I was quite daggy back in the day, mm-hmm. and uh, my mum wanted us to get into, you know, like things that would keep us out of trouble after school, so forth. And so she got us into music. Um, my sister and <laughs> that, I. That, that'd do it for you. <laughs> yeah. Renowned as being uh, synonymous with sex and drugs. <laughs> That's right. I know. I know. She probably thought, oh, okay, well, I'll do it the, the smart way, and I'll get them into like church music. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> We so go. we started off, I'll give her the daggiest um, uh, instrument uh, of all time and it was the Kimball organ. Um, oh, so that's wow. what my first instrument of choice. Well, not of choice, but of learning. I, and, I bet uh, you were invited to every party. Oh, I, I was a hit. I'll tell you, I got, I got invites to all the good parties. Just to bring, bring the organ. You know, it, you know I should have uh, actually, uh, I actually didn't uh, surpass the invites of um I suppose it was uh, John who had the accordion, mm-hmm. and I think he got all the best invites in town because he beat me with the, with the accordion. But um, but yeah, so I I just started learning music, and I actually really liked it. I mean, like even though it was a bit of a daggy instrument, I um I really loved learning. You know, I didn't have to sort of like be, you know like have my parents sitting there, you know, over my shoulder practicing every week. I actually really enjoyed it. And um, and so not long after that, I actually joined the church youth choir. I know that sort of sounds even like <laughs> daggier than learning the You're just getting organ. daggier and daggier as the interview goes. I know. I was supposed to be going, getting cooler and cooler, you know, as I go. But like, no, I'm heading downhill here. But <laughs> um, but no, we, we actually formed this youth choir like, after you know my ears pricked up that they were wanting to form something so I thought okay we can make something cool here so so it was a bunch of us kids we had like you know two girls who loved clarinet they played clarinet but we actually ended up you know as we went along because I was four you know how old was I I was about 12 13 at the time Mm -hmm. and so you know we brought drums in eventually guitar all that kind of stuff I love harmony I love singing and um and I actually remember this one time I can't even remember if I mentioned this on the last podcast, but the, um, we wanted to play Let It Be because uh, we, we wanted to be a bit more, you know, than just playing church songs, you know. So we wanted to play Beatles Let It Be. And I remember the priest at the time, he was like this younger guy. Um, he was new. He was newer to the church and so forth. And he said to us, he came up to us earlier that day because he heard us practising and he said, uh, no, you can't sing that. And we said, well, why not? And he thought it was about, well, he said it's about marijuana and <laughs> all sorts of, you know, really, um, you know, bad stuff. You can't play it. If you play it, I will literally walk out of the church. So um, so we played it. Yay. <laughs> In true rock star rebellion. Um, and I remember at the end, like, you know, you could sort of see it was it was at the end of the service and, like, he's at the front and you could see his face. It was actually starting to become the colour of that chair behind <laughs> me. And, like, he just, he stormed out, you know. Like, we're still going. We, were, we, we kept it going. You know, everybody loved it. Everybody loved it, of course. Well, let me ask, let me ask the uh, music historian. Um, let me just ring him up. Hey, Brett. Yeah. Hey, Brett, what were the what was the meaning behind the lyrics to let it be you know i i remember i remember paul mccartney saying that that was a dream he had of his mother 
and he was going through a very um, he was going through a very hard time at, at, at that particular point in time with um, John Lennon and Yoko. So she uh, became Mother Mary, right? It was no, it was his, his mother's name was actually Mary, Mary right? And she wow. came she came to him in a dream and said, "Just let it be," because you know he was facing the disillusion of the Beatles, and he was being he was feeling like he was about to be cast adrift. Ah, there you go. There That's you probably go. real. Well, That's I have just right. learned something today, and there, I'm there going go. to that priest now. And I'll. Mm, that was a message from his mother. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, how interesting. There you how go. interesting indeed. There's a, there's a lot of songs that, you know, I suppose have been interpreted in certain ways, haven't they? And, you know, yet yeah. the interpretation yeah. of the actual Always. composer. But isn't that the beauty? That's the beauty of songs and the messages can be anything to anyone, right? They can, they can mean whatever you want them to mean. Um, and that's the beauty of, of, um, art. of uh, beautiful. Well, art, yes, mm. that's right. It's like staring at a painting. Your interpretation is yours. It's beautiful. Mm. It is. You have so many layers to you, George. Today. <laughs> yes, you know, you know, you know. I know beauty is, you know, skin deep, but you know, ugly does go to the bone, and I am the reverse. <laughs> uh, uh, you've been this week, George has been uh, like the Greek philosopher. We had a uh, George and I had a very long conversation yesterday about yes. uh, this year and uh, some of the hard times we've both had this year. And uh, I got off the phone and I thought, Jesus, George isn't as stupid as I thought he was. <laughs> oh, well, isn't that a revelation? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, changed my view of, of Georgie boy. <laughs> yeah, how long have we known each other, Brett? <laughs> and you've had that revelation yesterday. That's right. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so disappointing. <laughs> oh my gosh! I can only, uh, you know, wonder what's going to come out from you. <laughs> After all, oh, this. I'm pumped. I'm pumped, Dean, because you you don't understand. We've been we we've not recorded for about four or five weeks, so I've just been stewing. Mm. waiting for this moment to just unleash myself on on you and him not you know in a in a covid sort of a, way in a figurative way <laughs> in a virtual way and on on the listeners of course because you know they need to share my magnanimity <laughs> magnanimity magnanimity Oh goodness! You reached a whole new audience today, I reckon. I think I have. So, so move. Let's move it along, please, George. Um, So, Dean, after you left school and you left the church, obviously. um, (laughs) What was next? Well, well, Uh, have you left the church? Have you? Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Actually, I just assumed (laughs) that after that day, you were you were excommunicated of this thrown physically oh, I, out of the church you would think that i was thrown out but no i stuck with it and i actually you know it was quite lucrative because i actually um you know uh formed like a, a wedding sort of uh oh, group perfect you know, I was doing wed- yeah it was great it was great i was like you know this 13 14 year old kid you know like still with the organ group. Oh yeah, still with the organ. <laughs> you gotta do it with the organ. Every wedding has to have an organ. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Back in the day, it did. Back in the day, it did. Oh, you, if you didn't have an organ, it wasn't proper wedding. Right, that's right. <laughs> organ, organ tucked firmly under your arm. Lucrative at the church. That sounds about oh, right. The church and lucrative oh, go hand in hand. But it yeah. just reminds me. Sorry, it just brought up a lot of Catholic weddings. Yes, that, that's yeah. what it brought up. Yeah. yeah? Yes. Yeah, where where the, where the priest and his diatribe took over from the actual wedding itself. Yes, yeah, oh yeah, I've seen all sorts of things. I've seen, you know, uh, people like you know have like huge, um, you know, falls coming down the altar, and then I've had you know seen like the best man be a woman, and like you know it was like, it was all sorts of things that came through that like were very very new to me, and like I thought wow you know like weddings can be you know anything so um but it was it was great you know being able to do that got a lot of confidence you know performing Mm. in front of people and Mm. you know and it was great I was running a business in a way at that age and Mm, um yeah so it was really cool you know so I was still yes I was still in the church and then after that I joined a rock band and and or joined a band and a a churchy rock band or no 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 it was like the actual opposite oh (laughs) wow that would have been that would have um really opened your eyes 
<laughs> oh, well, no, um, you're from Dandenong. I suppose you knew it all. My eyes, my eyes were a bit open. Already open. <laughs> That's right. And what was this band called? Well, we were called Temper at the time. So it was a group of, you know, uh, of chicks in the West. Yep. And um, I had moved to the West at that point. Um, so from Dandenong to Sunshine, I don't know which is worse. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I moved to the West and, um, yeah, joined this band. I was uh, working at the time and then, like, uh, you know, this group, we thought, oh, we were going to, like, rule the world, you know, as any band sort of starts out sort of thinking. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I learned a lot about songwriting and, um, you know, and also, like, how tricky it is to actually get into the music industry. You know, it was a real eye-opener for me. Um, you know, I was with that band for about seven years. Um, you know, we didn't have any success really with that band because, like, you know, like we were approaching managers and all sorts of things. And, um, you know, it was a really... Um, you know, big, uh, you know, insight into, well, is it who you know, that kind of thing. And actually became quite disheartened with the music industry after being in that band, not for anything other than, um, you know, like, uh, you know, the music industry is is a a bad place to be. It's actually not. Um, But I think that, you know, like when you're sort of coming in very, um, you know, wide-eyed as like, you know, you've, you've got these big dreams, you want to achieve this and you achieve that, um, you know, like I think that, you know, when, you, when you're chasing it in, to that degree, it can be quite, um, you know, like it can turn what, what you originally felt for it into something else, mm. you know, that doesn't feel quite as good. And, um, and that was a really big experience for me, you know, really big in learning who, who I was wanting to be as a musician in this industry. Mm. Um, I love the songwriting part. I hated, I hated actually the chasing music industry part, you know, mm. that was just um, something that I discovered uh, about myself. But like in terms of the the people that I was with, I'm still in touch with um, with many of them today. Um, one of the girls in the band I'm still friends with today. She's in Canada now. Um, uh, but like, yeah, it's uh, it was quite an experience in my life. So that was the next stage, being in a band. Wow. For anybody out there? <laughs> no, well, Brett doesn't know anything about that. He's, yeah, uh, I, I, I yeah, I was uh, the only band I was in was um, a rubber band, I think. <laughs> Or a, a lap or a, band, or a band aid, band aid. That was the band. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, uh, yes. It's it's um it certainly uh, it changes your view on the world. In 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 fact, it's um it's interesting. Uh, you you said that because uh, one of the conversations I've, I've been having with Brett regularly was uh, you know he's uh, he's dismay at the state of the music industry from. <laughs> <laughs> the mm. venture, the venture that he's been trying to <laughs> undertake in the last few months. So it was very, very timely that you said what you said because yeah. I don't think anything's changed. It hasn't changed since I started in 1980. That's for sure. Mm. And it's- yeah, well, do you do you feel though that you like you know platforms like YouTube and you know like where people can I suppose uh, create followings without the need to rely on record companies and that well. Okay? Yeah, well, that's part of the problem, isn't it? Spotify and and the and all the digital platforms are, are, are fantastic in some ways, um, but there's still this old school music industry thing happening. There's still a lot of old fat guys like me in the industry that still think it's 1982, mm-hmm. and then you've got all the the project I'm doing is about around young creatives, and the issue I'm finding is that. Uh, young people expect things to happen immediately. So they, yeah. they write a song, we put, put it up worldwide on all the platforms and then nothing because there's so much out there and then they get disgruntled and dismayed and you really are still dealing with a lot of those industry people have a stranglehold on the whole industry in Australia. And I didn't realise how much of a stranglehold they ha- have because they've moved they've segued into controlling all the merchandise and all the promotional material mm, that's in right. order to, in order to um, like secure all forms of revenue because uh, they lost so much on the recording side. And um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting, but it's a bloodbath. 
Well, it's also it's also um, that you've got a the big disconnect is between young creatives and the industry. You know, the young creatives are told all managers are sharks, watch out for them, the industry's da-da-da. And then the other side of it is the old school, they don't want to know about young creatives unless they've got management, unless they've got a huge following, blah, blah, blah. And I want to teach young creatives how to get into the industry and how to, so they understand. Most mm. most musicians don't know what a record the difference between a recording royalty and a publishing royalty. So yeah. so how how can you run a business like that? If we're in the business world, if mm. I if I went into real estate and I didn't know how to sell a house because I'd done no study on it, how would I get by? And that's basically what happens with young creatives. They they don't know. Exactly. And I think, you know, and then on top of that, you've got like these, um, you know, reality singing shows, you know, the the voice, you know, you've got like X Factor or whatever it is, Australia, America's got talent and so yeah. forth that, you know, um, I, and we were talking about this last time when we had the conversation about what kind of um, platforms these are for people, because like they're really preying on a lot of um, musicians who just want a break, you know, and like I suppose like the visibility that they get from these shows is great, but like, you know, what happens afterwards or what kind of visibility do they get and does it end up, you know, it's it's not like you're on a show like that and then like it all works out, you know. It, mm. There's still a lot of um, things that you have to do in the background to to stay visible and stay relevant and, and so forth. Without a doubt. You have yeah, yeah. To, yeah. you know that those the, the for me for me those shows actually exposed um you know the the um um possibly the sense of entitlement and delusion that a lot of people are uh, operating under as well i mean they're young they're, they're young but uh, the, the the interesting episodes were always the first ones where they're auditioning and um you know they walk off in a half thinking the judges didn't know what they were talking about and they were they honestly believed they were good, but they were horrible. <laughs> it's a, too many, too many cases. It was hilarious for me, but but it's tragic in a way. Oh, look! I think the thing is too is that, like you know, even those that are really, really good don't even end up on the show because, like, mm. the, you know, unless you've got like a really good story, um, you know, or there's something that is, you know, um, tragedy in your life or whatever. Yeah, or entertainment worthy. Yeah. yeah you know, just yeah. something, then then they really will um, look past you. So it's interesting. I mean, my daughter's nine years old and, like, uh, you, you sort of, like, talk to her age level and, like, what do you want to be when you're sort of, like, when you grow up? I want to be a YouTuber, mm. you know. Uh, you know, I see a lot of these these um, people on YouTube, you know, who are, like, and they're, they're actually, you know, millionaires now or they, mm. they appear to be um, and, like, they sort of think, well, and, and but the thing is, is that like it is quite lucrative to be on YouTube. But I think that a lot of people sort of think, okay, well, I just have to be on YouTube, and then that's it. It yeah. doesn't work that way. There's a lot that these people do behind the scenes to and and work very very hard to keep creating content mm. um, to build their following to do that in mm. you know. And YouTube doesn't really give out uh, money lightly, you know. No. So it's uh, yeah, so. So it is a very interesting um, new generation of musicians that do sort of like think, okay, well, it's an overnight success. You know, it, I don't, I don't think it's that way. I'll give you, no, a, I'll give you an example of it. We, um, <clears throat> our platform just released uh, uh, two songs for a young band um, that are that are exceptionally talented and really good, and they should, you know, if they stick with it, there's a good chance that they'll um, they'll succeed. But after one day, I got a message from them saying, how come we're not on, on any of the worldwide playlists yet? And yeah. I went, well, it's your first song. <laughs> it's like, did you think that 24 hours suddenly, you know, the top 10 playlists for their genre are going to pick your song up when you've had, you know, a couple of hundred listens, you know? Yeah. And, but that's what they believe. They're like, oh, Really? And I'm like, you know, we've got to get back in the studio, record some more stuff. We've got to build on what we've already got. We've got some, you know, we've got some stuff on Unearthed and yada, yada. And they're like, oh, really? And I'm like, absolutely. But see, this is how, you know, most of the young creatives have grown up. They see 
the voice and they go, well, look at that, look at that guy, you know, he's suddenly a superstar. Well, that's not usually the case, you know, <laughs> it's, it takes time. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is you actually failed miserably, Brett. In, in their mind, they probably think that. They're probably yeah. like, oh, we've signed with this guy and and we've put our songs up. And, and he stiffed us. And, and he stiffed us. See, and that's what happens in the industry. See, the, mm. there's the disconnect mm. again. The, mu- the musicians get told by a lot of musicians, managers are assholes, record companies are assholes, they rip you mm. off. And then on the flip side, the management are going, working, well, managers, some the good ones, work tirelessly for their artists and they spend countless hours working for free before they ever make a single cent. In fact, they spend money for years to build something and then the, the overnight success and then the artist sacks the manager <laughs> because they've been offered an American deal. So then the manager goes, well, hold on, what about the three years of hard work? So there's a disconnect on both sides to me. You know? well, don't complain too much because Dean probably did that to her manager. Did you do that to your manager, Dean, and your band burn manager? Burn the manager. <laughs> did you burn him or her? Uh, look, we, we had a couple of managers, but I think yeah, for so us you it did was burn, about, burn yeah, uh, yeah, if you want to, yeah, no, we roasted them a couple of times. <laughs> but, but I think, you know, like it's, it's a tricky thing because like, you know, you're sort of like um, it, you really need to have like a good relationship, good trust, you know, in mm from with a manager as well somebody who understands who you are somebody who's um you know uh, there's a lot of variables in there because like you know you're creating a sound um you're going to have other people around you sort of saying um what you should be or Mm. uh or whether you need to change or you know because like um you know there's a sort of fine line between being true to yourself and also being marketable yeah, mm. you know, like, mm. and being in branding and marketing now, where I do, where the music that I create is more in a branding and marketing space. I mean, like, when you're sort of saying, and you said it before, Brett, that the market's saturated. You know, there's a lot of uh, yeah. there's a lot of music out there. You know, like people can hear anything. Mm. Um, you know, because of Spotify and all those kinds of platforms. And um, you know, what is it that's going to make you? be somebody that really stands out, you know, if, especially if you're wanting the kind of success of the bigger artists, you know, mm. what is it that's going to um, make you different from everybody else who's writing that kind of music or everybody else who's that kind of band, you know, um, you know, is it going to be your story? Is it going to be your look? Is it going to be what you stand for and so forth? Or is it just going to be that you're in the right place at the right time meeting the right people, you know? So I, I think, um yeah like when you're in a band and you and you've got a manager like you've got to sort of work together if you're Mm. not and you're sort of like at odds with what you should be or where you should be going then that's not the right manager obviously so um you know whether it's it's not whether they're a shark or they're this or it's just Mm. finding a good fit for Mm. who's going to be able to take you through that journey i always uh think of Coldplay, and they they all have an equal say including the manager they all make the decisions the front Front man doesn't make all the decisions, and I think that that's why they've beca- they're so successful because they they run it like a business. They don't run yeah. it on their ego. Yeah. You say the problem the problem of of um, bands is that there are there are more than two people in. Them. That's right. You've got all those variables as well. Solo artists are probably easier in some ways because you've only got that one person to deal with. But you're right, Dean. There's a lot of components. There's there's a bit of luck, there's the look, there's the brand, there's the songs, there's mm. the differentiation in the, in the industry. I, you know, I've had a few young creatives come along that can sing. They play a song, they send me a, a song and I listen to it and I think this is, this is he's, you know, this kid's a great singer. But there's nothing unique or different about what they're doing because they've just basically popped out a song that sounds like every other Justin Bieber song. And, you know, you've got to have, you know, like Billie Eilish or somebody like that where she came out, she was really vastly different, very quirky, with Mm. a unique style and voice, with a presence and a bit of luck all rolled into one and and away you go. But that's one in a million artists, you know. 
Yeah, it is. It is. And like, I suppose the other thing too, is that like, when you look at Billie Eilish, you know, she's, um, she's not different because she's doing it as a gimmick. Like you can see that's, she's you know, who she, yeah, yeah she's she's, that's who she is. So like, I think that's what really comes across with her as well is that she's not trying to be just something different to be different. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's one of those things. 100%. Like, like I say to this, uh, this young band that just released their songs, mm-hmm. they're very unique. They've written songs in a genre that is in a genre, but it's unique to that genre. They're different. They're contemporary as well as being old school, and they just do what they want to do. The problem that I have with these guys is that they're all surfers and they're all laid back and they're all like, oh, yeah, man, we'll get into the studio. <laughs> but, you know, if they, they've probably got a good chance because they are different enough you know and they have a different look you know and there is all those other things that components of pop music you know they're good looking you know they've got a unique style you've got to have all that stuff if you try to emulate somebody else you're dead in the water what's that great saying i always use george um if you see a bandwagon you've missed it oh you know so i like that yeah. So, so anyway, back to you. Speaking, of, <laughs> we've just spent twenty thanks, minutes uh, analysing the industry. <laughs> thanks for that, Brett. I couldn't contribute one bit. That's fine because uh, speaking of you know having the looks and the talent and you know, just the timing and all that stuff, how did you make it? How, how did, did you make? How it? did I make it? Oh, yeah, tell me. How did you make it? Well, our band was just unique at the time we were it was we we're in the unique. right place at the right time we we all pushed in the same direction the energy mm. all moved in the same direction we were pretty hopeless when we started but we played a genre that was new and different um it was also very it was also very fun and danceable yeah it was fun and danceable yeah and and we had a look you know we mm. we all moved in the right direction we 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 were a band we were we would have died for each other you know and um and it just happened that way you know and lots of bands mm. tried to copy what we did and they never got anywhere it, mm. that's what i mean about copying it doesn't in, in any any industry even brands like products if mm. you just copy somebody you've got a very short longevity you know you have to be remain true to yourself I think. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's only so much that copying can can do. I mean, like we've seen a lot of copycat bands and, um, you know, or, or even in products, you know, yeah. and like it, fans know what they like, you know, yeah. and uh, and when they see it and they know that it's real, like then, yeah, you can't sort of fool the public in a no. way. No, you can't. So you moved forward after the band, obviously. You, what happened? You just got tired of it and burned out and you thought, I'm, I can't do it any longer? Is that what happened? Well, slowly, you know, over the years, like because I was with the, the band, I was probably the last member to leave um, besides the lead singer who um, uh, we sort of uh, created like a cover band, you know, towards the end because like, you know, just because like we really needed funds to come in. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yeah, but slowly but surely like other members had left. Um, we actually had, a, a you know, the, the first one that left us actually was in a, a bit of a sad way because she actually had um, uh, committed suicide. Mm. Um, it was, sad. yeah. and Very sad. Yeah, it's it's um that's why I suppose like you know they've got a lot of things on mental health um mm-hmm. you know which is a hot topic at the moment but um but solely over the years yeah members had left and I was one of the, the last ones to leave but like it sort of fizzled out the the enthusiasm that we had at the start you know had become resentment it's just you know yeah it's just not healthy to be in a an environment like that so yes so I left eventually I just pretty much went back to. Um, I was working uh, in the city at the time um, because I needed some money, obviously, and um, and uh, because like out of high school, I sort of got my accounting degree, which is like not what you usually think of a um, of a musician to do, but like I did that. You know, my mum wanted me to to go to university, and and I you know chose accounting, and um, so I was working in an accounting firm mm. um, in the city after that. 
and you know saving for a house I thought you know I've got to get my life together I've you know spent seven years in this band you know that sort of you know I was come out of it a little bit like thinking holy shit you know like I've got to get my shit together um so uh did that saved up for a house bought a house um you know and um and as I was working in the city um you know uh and a cousin of mine had sort of said to me you know just in passing like are you ever going to do anything else with music so you know like have you ever thought of teaching my daughter wants to learn how to how to sing so I thought well okay so I started doing that on weekends and um you know slowly but surely like I was getting more students and I thought hmm, okay well this sort of like might be um something that would be great it was helping me sort of pay for the house as well <laughs> so I was working through the week full-time doing this on um and teaching on the weekends and the schools the school finally you know um got to a point where people were wanting to learn more piano and um and then I met this girl who wanted to teach dance and be a part of it as well so it was growing and growing and growing and growing till the point where I thought well I've got to quit my day job so um so it was a we created this performing arts school. Um, you know, I, I also started a couple of choirs up because I love arranging voices and met so many amazing people. I think at one stage we, uh, with the choir, we were, um, when Julia Gillard was uh, Prime Minister and, uh, you know, like I remember we were sitting, singing in this community centre, just this bunch of people, um, and she was sort of doing a tour of that community centre. And so we're singing, like I still call Australia home, and um, and so as we're singing, I'm conducting and like I see some of my choristers starting to tear up and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And she was standing behind me for the whole time just wow. listening, you know, and just um, just appreciating our version of that. Um, and, you know, just little things like that, you know, that that's happened over the years. So I had this performing arts company and choirs for, you know, a space of about 10, 10 years or so. Right. Okay. Um, and in that time, met my husband, had a baby as things happened. <laughs> how did that and happen? How did that happen? Oh, I don't know. That's a whole different show, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the uh, evening show, the after that 10 is. o'clock show. That is, and I'm sure, George, you haven't said anything about that just No, yet. no, no, no. Did you stop at one? Did you stop at one? I did stop at one. So it was too one painful. Th- oh, it was, it was, it still is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, if if there was a return to sender address uh, on on a, on a child when it's born, I I think I would have sent my three back. I don't know. I'm hoping she'll become a YouTuber and, and, and like pay off the bills. And, yeah. and I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even push push them through the garden hose. Like you know, seriously, I well. <laughs> like a like a Japanese friend of mine once said. She said, yeah. "Brett, having baby is like pushing watermelon through in one nostril." <laughs> Oh, yeah. Who comes up with that shit? Seriously. Oh, I don't know. That? I don't know. But the visuals don't make it any easier. I don't know. No. <laughs> I know. It's left brain, right brain. <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? But look, you know, I mean, they're counting, at, like, to be honest, it was in a way a blessing because um, I was able to start a business and, like, you know, I was doing all the stuff for our clients, you know, um, like setting up ABNs, you know, companies and so forth. So, I mean, the company that I have now and, you know, the structure that we have now, I'm able to understand, you know, how to run a good business because of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I suppose for yourself, Brett, as well, like with the creatives that you work with, business, like you said, you know, music is a business. It's not just creative Mm. um you have to run it like a business so that you're actually you know make because ultimately you do you want to be making a living from it so that's right um so anyway yeah like i um i finished up with all that but yeah the brain cells had had depleted a bit and uh but i was writing a like a junior fiction novel have you ever heard of those uh choose your own adventure books of course absolutely yeah well, I sort of started writing something like that, just, you know, like in, in between diapers and, you know, yep. <laughs> and all sorts of things. Um, and so I was about 80% of the way through it. And like, you know, I was on social media one day and I saw this um, thing for like for some people who wanted to self-publish because like I thought, well, I'm writing this book. I don't even know the first thing about publishing it. So ended up um, going to this like seminar for this lady in Sydney who runs it. Her name is Pam Brosman. 
Um, and she's like self-published like about 12 books now. And they all, they all got to number one. And I'm thinking, wow, that sounds pretty impressive. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. And, um, and so I did her seminar, signed up for her course to, to get you, you know, um, like to learn how to self-publish and so forth. And um, that sort of uh, gave me, well, entire, I was eligible for like a 30-minute call with her because I signed up for her course. So I'm telling her, you know, about my book and how exciting I thought it was. And, you know, she says to me, oh, what kind of following do you have, you know, for this book? And I said, I don't have one. I'm just writing it. I'm a mum. You know, I just had a baby. And she said, oh, okay, well, um, you know, what were you doing before you became a mum? And I was telling her about the performing arts school and, you know, the band and all that kind of stuff. And she says, Dean, you're writing the wrong book. And I said, don't tell me that. I'm like 80% of the way through this book. I said, what book am I supposed to be writing? And she said, you need to write about something that you know, um, you know, something that you've already got, like, you know, people who, who know you in this space. Uh, and so I thought, well, okay. So I ended up writing this book called The Voice Factor. Um, you know, it was a little play on The Voice and The X Factor, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's how I met Kate Sobrano, who wrote my forward. Uh, and, um, and she was just absolutely awesome to, you know, just sort of like look at the concept and say, well, you know, there's, you know, music doesn't have to be hard, you know, for, for people who are wanting to learn, you know, they've got some great uh, analogies, you know, with some really great concepts, you know, just really easy to understand concepts for people who just want to start uh, or people who've always wanted to learn. So, um, yes, yeah, so I ended up writing that book. It got to number one in Amazon um, in the US and in Australia, which I was really surprised. And, um, yeah, so I don't know if you can – oh, I don't think I can, I usually have it somewhere in the background there. Can you still but, buy uh, it? Do I still – Can, do, you, can do you, I, you still buy it? You can still buy it. Yeah, yeah. I've got to update it a little, little bit because a few of the, um, because we've got some exercises in there and so forth that are like video exercises. But other than that, yeah, it's, 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 you can purchase it on, um, on Amazon um, and, or on Kindle. Right, we're looking it up right now. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, but, but she gave you some sage advice though. I mean, really, it, it, it makes sense, doesn't it, to do what you, love um and be in the you know spin off books in the area that you're you're an expert in because great no photo it, yeah yeah looks nothing Look. like you <laughs> <laughs> that was when that was before i had a child as you can tell <laughs> <laughs> that, that child ruined you <laughs> i know i know look at me now like the, the oh line george <laughs> politically incorrect <laughs> statement number seven. Oh, I know, I know. He's on, he's got a bit of momentum happening now. <laughs> yeah, so that's um, yeah. It was it was quite a, a, an interesting project to do to create that book. So, um, and you know, like I still, um, you know, use it as an example. You know, to this day, as to sort of like, okay, well, I've got to do things that you know, balance with life, you know, because mm. I was going quite manic with the performing arts um, company, you know, and it was just not manageable. But like, you know, life now for me is about balance. So doing things with music that I really enjoy doing, projects that I love doing, like um, I think it was in 2016, I teamed up with Kate again and I said to her, look, I want to do something. Um, I saw this guy, uh, Eric Whitaker, I think he Yeah, Eric Whitaker. Um, from the US and he's like he created like this virtual choir like he did it with classical music that he composes Mm. Um, and I saw him way back way back before you see all the coronavirus virtual choirs you know Um, and I and I thought to myself oh gee I'd love to do this in like in a but using it in a different way so um, so yeah I teamed up with Kat I said look I've just rewritten Waltzing Matilda I've got no idea whether people are going to love it or hate it but I think it's a beautiful version Um, I've written it mostly with a global message and I want to actually get people from all over the world to sing on it as as a virtual choir she says what's a virtual choir I I was explaining to her it's people who are doing it via smartphone she said okay you know like sounds really interesting count me in so um so we did we did this version um we you know like we didn't use 
um, you know, like uh, a record company or anything to do it. I just did it over social media. That's all I really cared to do is just to get a bit of brand awareness about it. Um, we were doing it for International Peace Day in 2016. And, um, and we had 30,000 people who, who viewed it. You know, had hundreds, I think it was like 600 shares you know, but what really, um, and hundreds of comments on it, and what really um, surprised me was that, you know, because especially Aussies who are quite protective of what's in Matilda, and it's like, you know, don't change versions and things like that, you know, they can get quite protective, especially over the original version, mm. is that we've not had one bad word about it. Um, not not from Australia, not from anybody who heard it around the world. In fact, we had such positive engagement over it, and and that to me was the winning thing mm. because it wasn't about how many you know copies of it that we sold. It was that you know it was going to be a message that you know actually resonated with people, and that's what my buzz I get my buzz out of doing that. So. We'll play that at the end of the episode. I think so. Um, as a, oh. as our outro, but um, so that's amazing. And, but that's and not it, her favourite song. <clears throat> Is that your favourite song? We'll play it. We'll play it. Anyway, yeah, it's a good one. Any, okay. It, it's amazing. The things you've done seem to seem to have all fallen into place at the right time. Mm. Is there? A, do you think there's a reason for that? Is yeah. there, you know, is it is it just hard work from your you, you, on your behalf, or is it is there luck and timing? You know, what is it that, that you you seem to have the winning formula mm. throughout life? Oh, look, I I don't know if if you want to call it a winning formula. I think it's um it's a lot of learning, you know, um and like every stage in everything has been a learning curve for me, you know, uh, and. You know, to really get back to what I really love doing, what gives me the most happiness, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, whatever we do in life, um, whether we're chasing something, whether we're not chasing something, whether we want something, whether we don't want something, it's it really comes down to our happiness, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, people... Yeah. people, whether it's money, whether it's not money, you know, it's it, it doesn't really matter. We At the end of the day, the final goal is happiness. So... Um, and I suppose now as I get older, I'm clearer on what makes me happy. And so like, you know, you could have sort of said, well, being in a band back then would have made me happy. And it did in the beginning until I actually started to understand what I loved about the band, which is the songwriting. And I loved the, you know, um, connecting with people. And so that sort of common element has filtered through even through performing arts you know I'd love to connect people with music through choir I'd love to see people thrive with music and connect in that way and when now with Brantham um, where I love to connect brands with people you know and mm. using music so so it's sort of like been a common thread throughout it's just that I've become clearer and clearer and clearer I don't like to to look at my music career now as something that I have to be manic, you know, manic about or hustling and chasing. And, you know, I like to work with people that give me joy. I love to have conversations like this along the way. Um, you know, I love to do stuff that, you know, um, is quite purposeful and, you know, just aligns with all of that. So really? It's, so yeah. You love, so you love to do that? Well, I, I, I have a challenge for you. Tell me. <laughs> just, uh-oh. Create something for Float Your Boat. Create a theme song for Float Your Boat. I would love to. I would love to. It'd be cheeky. That's all right. <laughs> Cheeky's good. That's not us. That's not <laughs> us. No, we're straighty 180. One degrees. 81 degrees. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, I was just going to say, that this is really a, a, like a lovely confluence of your skill set, right? You're an accountant, business, you know, personality, love, love to write. You know, you love to be a little bit antisocial, so you're not going out there and mixing with bands and crowds anymore. But they, you know, you, and and I imagine very COVID friendly. Very COVID friendly. So, so tell, so tell <laughs> us, best tell, of all worlds. Can, can you explain Brantham in a yes. couple of sentences? Mm. A couple of sentences. Well, look, you know, we're very big on innovation and connection and music. So they're the three things that really are Brantham. Um, but it's about helping sort of forward-thinking brands connect with their people. Mm, that's us. Using music, you know. 
that's Success. really at the end of the day, whether it's your staff or whether it's your your customers, you know, that's what we love doing. That's cool. Now you Very did cool. say we, 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 <laughs> we, 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 we. Who are the others? Who are the others? Okay, so with with me here in the studio, um, like, and I'm always a big believer that nothing can happen without a great team. Very true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, along the way, I've met of my journey, I've met many people. Um, one of which is a studio producer named Michael Zamet. Um, oh, I met him in my band days and I've known him for 20 years now. And Been he around does a long all that. Huh? You know Michael? Yeah, I do. Yep. Oh, he's brilliant, isn't he? Such a cool guy. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so he, you know, we do stuff in the studio with him. You know, like we work with session musicians, we work with voiceover artists, we work with, you know, all sorts of people. Like I've even got like Zoom facilitators that help with, you know, like when I'm doing team building sessions. So like none of it can really happen without any of those people. That's why I sort of say we, yep. even though like it's me here in the studio, but but none of it can happen without those people. So yeah. it is we. Yeah, got it. Of course. I mean, and, and we, you and me. And- no, everyone, <laughs> everyone, everyone knows, except for those who are very, very um, um, egotistical and self-centered and possibly even a little bit, um, have, have, have a little bit of um, what's called um, socio, they're sociopathic, knows that it, it takes a team to make a great, a great business and a great organization. It takes a team. No, I there team. is no. I was going to say I was waiting for something. <laughs> no, no, no. That. I was going to give you waiting. Waiting for what? I don't. That's a, that's a compliment to you. That's a great thing. And you know the the wonderful thing about what I see in front of me is that you're still smiling, like you're not a grizzly old bear at the moment. <laughs> no. Thank you. Unlike, <laughs> unlike me, that is that, um, is that unlike? No, I wasn't <laughs> making any references to you, Brett. Not at all. Not all, but you know, you you know what I mean. You're not you, you're still keeping it fun, free, and easy. And uh, I know there's moments, obviously, like in any business, but you're smiling. Oh, look, there's a lot to smile for, you know, mm. um, or smile about because, like, even with something like COVID, you know, a lot of people have asked me, "Oh, have you been in COVID?" You know, and I said, "Look, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you can you can look at things at two ends of a stick." You know, mm. um, you can either look at it on the negative side or mm. you can just sort of see, well, like even if there's just one thing, you know, that that you can sort of look and say, hey, you know, like that wouldn't happen without this, you know, happening, then like, you know, it, it's it's just, just a bit more fun to be on the fun side of the stick. <laughs> sure. sure. Yeah. I agree. Well, you've got, to, you've got to create that, don't you? You're, the individual is the only person that can create it. That's right. And then you've got to have, you know, a few a few laughs along the way. And I'm sure that you guys <laughs> don't have a day without a bit of laughter. So it's well, good. in the absence of making any money out of Float Your Boat, um, laughs is the only <laughs> thing we've got. That's, that's, that's <laughs> well, that's, that, yes. Yeah, let's, let's, well, so, you know, um, anyone, anyone that thinks that uh, podcasting is their, uh, their way to fortune, might be their way to fame, but fortune and fame? Uh, yeah. In Australia, it's a bit of a stretch. I yeah. think it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, well, yeah, podcasting can be like that. I think you know, people people can be a bit disillusioned. So it's like, oh, I'm going to get a podcast. I'm going to make millions of dollars. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's interesting uh, um, that um, I think uh, possibly six or seven of our guests have uh, since gone on to create their podcast. own podcast. Because they, because they thought if George and Brett can do yeah. it, any idiot can do it. <laughs> but needless to say, we were having a bit of a <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> I was going to say you didn't, you didn't send them like this little disclaimer saying no, the no. true value of this podcast is no, in, no. is below zero in the conversation. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, <laughs> try it out. No, oh you know, God. it's it's funny. We uh, we we've got a reasonably good following without sounding egotistical worldwide these days because we've been doing it for three years, and yet we still can't even get on the new and noteworthy section of of of, oh, of the app. You know, that's all rigged anyway. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon it's all algorithms too. and all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, and we and we don't. Sp- we don't we don't have the money to spend on SEO and all the other things it takes to get you on those analytics, right? So 
Yeah. We just hope that word by word of mouth over time, people, you know, we resonate with those with the, with our audience. You know, um, we just try to put on interesting stories, really. You know, mm. like yourself. You know. Well, for everybody out there, you know, share this podcast. These yeah. guys are absolutely awesome. <laughs> no, and we didn't even pay you for that. That's I great. know. Thank you very much. So when you when you get off, uh, when we finish today, Dean, can you go onto your app and and uh, review us? I will definitely. Did, I, you, did you rate and want review. a particular kind of review? Or? These guys are the best <laughs> podcast ever in the whole history of mankind. They are the Elvis Presley and the Beatles of podcasting. I am writing that down. That sounds good, huh? <laughs> Let it be. <laughs> well, I was going to say if that one was going to be the, the tail end of this show. But <laughs> so um, it's been a pleasure once again, Dean, having you on our, um, on our little humble podcast and having a few laughs, et cetera. Um, and we'll play the, that wonderful version of... Of um, with Kate, which is wow, you couldn't get somebody better than her singing along with the tune, right? It's amazing. Oh, it was almost like it was made for her voice. So it's, I'm so glad she jumped on board. And thank you so much for sharing it as well. And and you can work on our new intro. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you guys for having me on the show again. And uh, it's always a hoot to speak to you. And uh, yeah, look forward to sharing the episode. Uh, thanks, Dean. Thanks for your time. Thank you.